Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, it's Phoebe. Since a lot of us are feeling a little lost right now, we thought it was a good time to listen back to our favorite story that we've ever done. I got in the water in the very early morning before the sun had risen, and the water was pitch black. I started swimming, and I felt the water hollowing out around me and felt like something really big was swimming below. Like, what is this below me? Usually water doesn't feel hollow. Water always feels fluid and always wraps around you and always makes you feel buoyant. It's, it's there. But to have something underneath you, it's sort of pulling you down. It's the slipstream that you're getting caught into. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is it a seal? And I'm like, no, it's too big for a seal. It's like, okay, is it a dolphin? No, it's not a dolphin. And then I thought, oh my God, could it be a shark? You know, when you do these long swims and you do them at night, you have to keep your mind under control because if you freak out, then you're out of a swim. So I kept talking to myself and saying, okay, you're not sure what it is, just move closer to shore. I swam closer to shore, but this thing kept swimming around near me. The water kept getting hollowed out, meaning I could feel something underneath pulling me forward. And so I swam closer to shore and then um, thought about getting out of the water. But I convinced myself to keep going. I mean, this is most people's biggest nightmare on Earth, that they would be swimming in the water and that they would feel something large underneath them. I think that's normal to be scared. I mean, when you can't see anything below, but you can feel something. uh, And you can also not just feel the motion, but the presence of something. And so I thought, okay, you just, just turn around and swim back to the pier. And if this, whatever it is, doesn't go away, then you can get out of the water. But just swim really close to the to the surf line. So I moved closer to shore, and when I got to the pier, I realized that whatever was there was still there, and it had not gone away, and I was just ready to turn and race out of the water. 
But there was an old man named Steve who worked in the bait shop on the pier. And he sort of watched over me and watched what was going on with the water. And I could see him standing under a light on the pier waving toward me to come to swim out to him. And at first I thought, there's no way. And he yelled at me and said, Lynn, come here. You know, there's a baby whale swimming with you. Something to know here is that Lynn Cox was only 17. For years, she'd gotten up very, very early like this to swim in the Pacific Ocean. When she was 15, she broke the world record for the fastest swim across the English Channel. She did it again the next year and broke her own record. Her usual course was a half-mile stretch between the pier and the jetty at Seal Beach, near Long Beach in Southern California. How long had you been in the water when you saw Steve waving his arms? I just swam my first mile, so I'd probably been in the water for about 20 minutes. So you stick your head out of the water, and, and he's waving, and, he's, and he says there's a baby whale? Yeah, he said a baby whale, and I'm like, really? I've never seen a baby whale in the wild before. So he told me that, you know, the baby whale had lost his mother, and I needed to stay with the baby whale. Why did you need to stay with a baby whale? Why couldn't you get out? He was afraid that if I turned to go to shore that the baby whale would follow me and possibly could run aground and the weight of his lungs on the beach would kill him. But he also thought that, you know, maybe the baby whale will just swim off and be totally lost. So his idea was that, you know, you just need to stay with the baby whale. Baby whales often get lost. They don't really know how to use their sonar yet, so their mothers keep them close. They have to. Young whales are totally dependent on their mother's milk to survive. There was a story ten years ago about a baby whale getting lost and trying to suckle on a yacht. Lynn hadn't even seen the whale yet. She could just feel it in the water underneath her. And the baby gray whale then surfaced. You could only see part of him. I mean, you couldn't see his whole head or face. You just saw the, the, um, his back. And then he swam over toward me. It was scary. <laughs> it was scary because he was so big. And so I was not sure how to deal with him. I mean, you know, how do I interact with a, a whale? Steve, though, was so calm and and assured that it was just fine to be in the water with a baby that I thought, well, he knows. He's this old guy that's been out here forever, and so he knows everything about the ocean. So I will do what he told me to do, and I'll just stay out here with this whale until we find his mother. How close did he, when you first saw him, how close was he to you? He was really about... Uh, 10 to 15 feet away. He wasn't really close. Um, But as I sort of got back into my swimming position and all that, he started moving closer to me as if he was checking me out. But I think that all that time that I'd been swimming between the pier and the jetty, he'd been checking me out and trying to figure out what I was and what I was doing in the water. Steve got on the radio to all the fishing boat captains and lifeguards along the coast and told them to keep their eyes out for a large gray whale traveling north. He told Lynn to swim back towards the jetty. Once she got to the jetty, she turned around 
and swam back to the pier, and the baby stayed with her. We were sort of side by side, or he was right underneath me, or um, very, very close. And at one point, he just rolled over and looked right at me. And it was just the most amazing thing in the world, because I felt like he sees me and I see him, and we're together. It was just amazing. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. How big is a baby gray whale's eye? It was sort of um, the size, I'd say, of a plum or a orange. It, it's large, and it was dark, dark, dark brown, almost black. Did you try to talk to him? Were you talking to him? Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, I was like, as if he would understand. But, you know, I told him he'd be okay and that things things will work out and we'll find his mother. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he can't understand my words. But maybe he'll understand the feeling or the intention. Because I think that, you know, maybe dogs can smell fear, you know, because they can smell so much. And so maybe animals that are as sensitive as whales can sense the good that you're trying to do. After about an hour of this, Lynn started to wonder if it was even possible for the mother to find the baby. How do you find something in the ocean? She got scared that the mother might never be coming. She got scared that the mother could be dead. A crowd was forming with Steve to watch what was going on, and the offshore boat fishermen were all talking to each other on the radio. One of them reported seeing a large gray whale swimming near an oil rig about a mile and a half offshore. It was as though the baby whale was listening to the radio because it abruptly turned and started swimming in the direction of the oil rig. And Lynn followed. She says she doesn't know why she did that. He made a point of swimming right in front of me and, and a little bit below so I could swim in a slipstream. And I thought, wow, I bet he learned that from his mother. I bet when they were migrating north, he was in her slipstream and enabled, and enabled him to swim much easier than, than against the strong currents. So it was really amazing that, you know, there's this understanding that's going on. During this swim out to the oil rig, the whale suddenly shot five feet out of the water and crashed back down. She says it was like a sideways cannonball. And then he did it again. Whales usually breach like this several times in a row. One of the reasons they do it, we believe, is to communicate with other whales. Some researchers have called it an acoustic telegram. So maybe he was trying to say to his mother, here I am. Yes, that's sort of what I thought. Maybe that was, these splashes were about signaling her. By this time, she'd been in the water for three and a half hours. You know, I was used to swimming very long distances. But, you know, there are points along the way where I was getting tired and cold because, you know, I was not swimming at my normal speed. I was treading water. I was wondering where the whale was going because he was suddenly diving down deep into the water and not coming back. And I I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so I kept thinking at different times when he would disappear, 
is it time for me to go back to shore or do I sit and wait for him? And, and will he come back or not? And so those were those moments when it, everything was sort of like, what do I do now? But then the baby whale would reappear. He seemed to notice that she was slowing down. And again, he got in front of her so she could ride along. And it was just so cool. I mean, because I was hardly moving at all my arms, and I was just flying through the water. And I just thought, wow, you know, can, I, can, you know I, at times I try to think about how does he see me? And he must have thought, horrible swimmer she is. <laughs> you know, he just, he's just so beautiful, elegant, graceful in the water and just moves so effortlessly. You know, just one big kick of his, of his fin, his tail fin, his fluke, and he would just move. And here I was, like, struggling with my arms. It was just, he probably thought I needed help. <laughs> by now, Lynn and this whale had been swimming side by side for so long that she decided she would try to touch him. You know, when you have something so close to you for so long, you feel a connection to it. So I reached out and touched him, and he felt like a mushroom or, or a neoprene wetsuit. I had, I had been, I'd had the great experience to be able to swim with dolphins before, and I'd, I'd felt their skin. But his skin was, it felt thicker and, um, and just sort of tauntier. Um, and he felt my touch, because that was the other thing, is, will he feel what I'm doing? But you could see him sort of moving closer toward me, feel him moving closer toward me, and I just stroked him again. As strong a swimmer as Lynn was, she didn't know how much longer she could be in that cold water. If the baby's mother didn't turn up soon, she was going to have to make a decision. I think it was about uh, four and a half hours or five hours into this time out there in the water. I was getting really cold, and I realized that I was putting myself in danger now, you know, that I could go into hypothermia. And if I got hypothermia, then I could become really disoriented, and I could also pass out in the water. I decided that I really needed to start moving and I needed to start getting back toward the pier. So, um, but I was tired, I was cold, I was, you know, it was five hours of swimming around and not really going anywhere. And I was um, working hard to get back to shore. The current was, was, the tide had changed and the currents had changed. And so now I was working against the current to get into shore. But, you know, it was really good in a way that I'd done the English Channel and Catalina Channel because those swims, when you are very close to shore, it's always when the tide is the strongest. And, and often you are being pushed backwards. And so it's like, okay, just keep swimming. You got to pick up your pace now. If you're going to make it to shore, you're tired, but it doesn't matter. You got to get to work harder now. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. 
Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. On her swim back to the pier, with this whale still at her side, she saw a Long Beach lifeguard boat coming towards her at full speed. And when it reached her, a lifeguard said it was good she was heading back to shore. They were worried about the weather changes. It wasn't safe for her to be out so far. And then she learned that a commercial fishing boat had seen a solo whale only a half mile south of the pier. The fishermen were starting to say, we see her coming north. We see her, she's heading towards Seal Beach. And so I kept thinking, oh my God, please let him somehow hear her. Uh, Hopefully she's making some kind of noise so that he can understand that she's approaching or maybe he's doing something that she's hearing, you know, the cry of the baby um, to come and find him. So, you know, people were getting really excited because they were all whale watching, but for a bigger purpose. Even though this is what she'd been hoping for, Lynn didn't quite know what to do. Full-size gray whales can be 30 tons and 50 feet long. They're sometimes called devilfish. They earned the name in the 1800s after destroying whaling boats whose harpooners had killed their calves. Oh, I would have gotten so... I would have been... I would have gotten so... Were you get, did you get nervous about this mother coming? I was really nervous because, again, it was like, do I stay in the water? Do I get out of the water? Do I stay with the baby? What do I do? And so I thought, well, my intention all along has been good, and and the baby recognizes that. And so hopefully they're communicating, <laughs> and she will understand that, you know, this has been a good thing. And what happened? When she actually swam over to us, she came over very, very slowly and didn't come really close to me initially. But a few minutes later, she came right next to me. Um, And, you know, when when a mother whale comes next to you, it's like a bus pulling up beside you. And um, I backed away some because I was afraid. I mean, the animal's 40 feet long, 45 feet long. Um, and to be in the water with something so huge is frightening. I mean, because just one push or a fin or anything, um, I could be hurt. So I tried to tell myself, just be calm, just just float on the water. And, and if she doesn't want you around, you will know that very quickly. So I saw them together. And um, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life to see the mother and baby reunited. I mean, for five hours, we'd been out there swimming together. And um, she came over, she approached me. And so she was so close that I thought, 
I'm going to touch her too. I'm just going to do it because because I feel like a part of this whole thing. And um, I touched her and I could feel that she felt my hand on her. And um, it was amazing, you know, because she was so big. And, you know, you know, how does a whale express happiness? But I felt that she was happy, you know. And then um, a few minutes later, they swam off. And it was really sad. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was like you, this was the moment you've been trying for for the last five hours, but... Um, but now the baby was gone. A lifeguard boat gave Lynn a ride back to shore and made sure that the cargo ships around Los Angeles Harbor knew where the mother and baby were swimming. And later, boats reported seeing the two join a group of whales on their way to Alaska. When she got back to the beach... Lynn asked a lifeguard if she could use the phone to call their parents to let them know that her workout had gone longer than she expected, but she was on her way home. And it was so weird, though, to go from, that's always so weird to be in this amazing environment, the ocean, to then leave it and then go back to, okay, now what am I doing the rest of the day? (laughs) It's just so strange. But you didn't tell your parents when you got home what had happened. No, I didn't tell my parents what had happened because I knew I would have been in so much trouble because it was so irresponsible for me to swim offshore without support, without people watching the water. But I told myself it was really okay because, you know, Steve was out there watching and the lifeguards were out there watching and they knew what was going on. But um, it was still a stretch. You know, I think now that what I did was pretty um, dumb But if I was to do it again, I'd still do it because I felt like it was something I could do. You didn't want him to feel alone. I didn't want him to feel alone. I think that I realize sometimes when things are really difficult for people, if you just are there with them, if you just walk beside them, it makes all the difference in the world. That so much of life can be lonely, but but if you know there's somebody nearby, it changes everything. And um, I think that we have understandings that go beyond words all the time. She made up a name for that baby whale, Grayson. It's awful in a way because I kept thinking, I wonder if anything like that will happen again. You know, and it's so funny because nowadays I still swim in the ocean. I still swim in the bay. And um, sometimes I wonder, you know, when I see a gray whale swimming north, I wonder, you know, is this one of Grayson's relatives? Because, you know, the gray whales live until their mid-50s if they're fortunate. And so, you know, there could be grandchildren swimming out there now. In addition to twice holding the record for the fastest crossing of the English Channel, Lynn Cox famously swam across the Bering Strait from the United States to the Soviet Union. And in 2002, she became the first person to swim a mile in the near-freezing Antarctic Ocean. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me, 
Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Our producer is Susanna Robertson. Audio mix by Michael Raphael, Johnny Vincevens, and Rob Byers of Final Final V2. Special thanks to Katie Davis and Ian Chillog. Julian Alexander creates original illustrations for our stories. You can see them at thisislovepodcast.com, where we've also got more information about the book that Lynn Cox wrote about her time with the baby whale. It's called Grayson. Because she still swims in the same waters that she found that baby whale in so long ago, we asked if we could come out to California to swim with her. She still swims in the early morning before the sun is up, which is when she said we could meet her. So do you breathe on one side or both sides? I just breathe with my head up in the air. So I'm not even, I would love to know which side I should breathe on. Thanks very much for listening this season. If you've enjoyed the stories, please consider sharing the show with a friend or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to us and helps other people find the show. That looks great. But the thing is, we just need to relax a little bit. Oh, relax. We're like tightening up. There's a story of my life. This is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. We hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday and that we can all look forward to the new year. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Did you drink water again that time, or did you... Uh, a little less. Less, okay. <laughs> Radio Tokyo from PR.